Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zenobia Bailey and Living Well. Today, if you had an opportunity to look at the promotional material, you see that I have as my very special guest, and they're all very special. You hear me say that all the time. But considering my audience and some of the needs that you've expressed uh, for hearing on the show, Every single person that is considered and accepts is quite special. So to you, special Cynthia Young, I welcome you. Thank you, Zenobia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And again, if you had an opportunity to look at the promotional material, you will see that Cynthia has been and is still in the throes to some degree. I'll let her tell us her story in more specifics of being a caregiver to a number, in fact, four, that she uh, denoted in her book, Memoirs of a Caregiver. And in my talking with her uh, prior to the show, I've learned that she has been assisting yet another family member. Now, the four all um, had or have Alzheimer's. Uh, This fifth one does not, but still. To see someone, Cynthia, who is so dedicated to her family, her immediate and extended family, to become so involved as to share their journey at a very a delicate time of their life, a very needful time of their life, you deserve so much applause. And through me, the the listeners and I want to applaud you so I want to just say that thank you, thank you, thank you. Can you tell yes. us? Okay, go ahead. You, you had something? You were going to say something? I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, well, we appreciate you. You know, uh, the statement, it takes a village, not only to not and it does, not only to raise a child, but to tend to our loved ones and our neighbors, our friends, whomever we can help. I wanted to read just a little bit from the back of your book, and it tells us how Memoirs of a Caregiver shares one woman's your inspiring story of unconditional love and courage with the hope that it will encourage and empower other caregivers to be diligent, strong, and most importantly, to never give up. I want you to just speak to that a little bit because these are some very descriptive and strong words. And I would like for you, in whatever way you would like to, to just speak to all of us. We're going to break it down into specific segments or specific uh, audiences within caregiving. But speak to all of us in general Um, what it means for us to be diligent, 
strong and to never give up in the role of caregiving? Well, for me, it meant that I needed to become the warrior for people who could not stand on their own any longer, for people that were helpless, for people that used to be strong and I had learned from them what that meant, and to take care of family was always a strong, strong thread throughout my mother's family. And when it came to me being diligent, it meant that I had to hold my ground and and stay on the track to help my loved ones out because there, there didn't seem to be anyone else that was going to step up to do it. And I left. I found myself being left in the field by myself. So mm. with all of that, um, knowing that they had no one else, I had to be diligent. I had to be strong. I had to show my unconditional love for these ladies. I had to do whatever was necessary by whatever means was necessary to get them what they needed because they had now become the weaker Link. They had gone from the strong women that I used to know, and now they were childlike. And mm, the last thing you yes. want to see is a child or an elder hurt in any way. That's very good. That's very good. That's very descriptive. We can all um, visualize that. We have these strong people in our lives, whether it's our mothers, our aunts, our uncles, our fathers, whomever it might be. It could be our siblings. And all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, something has happened. In this case, we're specifically talking about Alzheimer's and the robber that it is. And now they're weak, and you said something very important. They have no one, or maybe they could have someone else. But in many instances, at least in my journey, I have talked to people where they are left alone. There have been a few people that I've known where together as a family unit, they are tending to the needs, but very often it's that family unit doesn't come together and one person takes on that responsibility. And even sometimes when there are more than one uh, attending to it, it still seems to fall majorly on a one designated person, and maybe they didn't designate the person, but the responsibility is still there. So I like that's that, correct. And I, I like that. That um, that that even circumstances that I find myself in now, and my audience has heard me talk about my mother's uh, plight and journey, and you are so correct. <clears throat> we can't give up. No matter how tired we get, we may have, we, of course, we're going to have to take rest, but we can never give up. Because if we give up, then it becomes, truly does become hopeless in that particular area for them. Yes. Um, you mentioned your mom had Alzheimer's. Who else, uh, Cynthia, who else in your family? Well, it started with my, my mother's eldest sister at the time in 2002, um, my mother's my mother was uh, the seventh child of eight children, and all the other siblings had passed on from some other illness prior to these ladies um, becoming ill. 
So we don't know whether they would have had Alzheimer's or not. But on Helen, the eldest sibling at the time, was uh, exhibiting behaviors that brought my mother to concern, and she would call me all the time asking me um, to call on Helen and see what I saw. And every time I did, she seemed to be in her right mind, and we were joking, and she was just herself. But as time went on, those, those things changed, and I began to see what my mother was talking about. So I went to Detroit, where they lived. I live in California. And I got to see for myself, my mother by that time had moved my Aunt Helen in with her. And my mother was complaining about Helen saying that she could see dead people in the house. And that frightened my mother. Oh, boy. I mean, it was funny at the time, let me tell you, but it wasn't funny to her. So as I began to observe for myself firsthand what was going on, I knew something wasn't right. And my mother was getting an award, and she asked me to go to Aunt Helen's house and and get some clothing for her and uh, pick up some things that she might need. So my daughter and I went to the house, and we found things in disarray, which was not like Aunt Helen. I mean, they kept households. Those sisters kept households that you could eat off the floor. But she was the first one that exhibited the dementia symptoms. She was confused. She could not put together a sentence well. She would divert any questions that you might have for her. She would repeat herself mm-hmm. constantly. I didn't have any clue about Alzheimer's at this time, but I knew something wasn't right. So I started to okay. ask questions, and I went to my computer, and I asked the Internet, what is happening? What is dementia? Dementia is a broad term. It's like the umbrella that Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other dementia-type illnesses reside under. It's just one of many things that fall in the category of dementia. And while I was there in the house, I saw things that, that disturbed me because Aunt Helen had written large sums of monies out to family members. Um, she had secluded herself in the house and wouldn't let my mother in when my mother would go by to visit, things of that nature. So then I find out that we are dealing with, in essence, Alzheimer's. And at the same time that year in 2002, I found out, too, that the youngest aunt, Margaret, also was exhibiting those same behaviors. Mm. When I went to her apartment, she had little sticky notes all over the kitchen telling herself where she lived and what her phone number was. And when I went to the refrigerator, there was nothing there. The house was covered with styrofoam boxes and and things of that nature. Unlike her, this was out of character. So when you see things like that start to develop and they can't put sentences together, they're doing things that are not within their normal personality, it's time to take heed and start looking into doctor's appointments for them to have them tested. Because what's happening, Zenobia, is our community doesn't realize what the symptoms are. So they're missing out on a lot of care and and things that could help that person, and they're not getting in on it because they don't take them to the doctor to find out what is there to help them. Yes, that's a good point. I think... 
I think and sometimes what happens, you know, the old terminology of senility. <clears throat> yes. I, I believe that very often that people are just saying, well, it's just old age. He or she is just senile. And while that might be true, there uh-huh. you make the point that there's still assistance for the loved one and assistance for the caregiver. Uh, Correct. Did you... Did you ever come upon, um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Alzheimer's and what a wonderful association that is, but did you ever come upon um, the Agency on Aging for uh, Michigan or, um, I don't know, was your dad possibly a veteran or your mom a vet? No, uh, yes, my father was a veteran, but at that point he was not in the picture. My mother was not. The fourth member of my family, an elder cousin, whose husband was a vet, um, I did apply for veterans' benefits for her. And that okay. is a whole nother segment uh, dealing with the it veterans' is. organization. Yes, I applied for veterans. I'm still dealing with them. I'm still dealing with them. But, see, that's another one of those areas where you just cannot give up. And I hear about people all of the time who did not give up, and they finally did get the benefits. The only reason I bring it out is for, for the main reason I bring it out is for the audience to be, for us to make this awareness to them, that mm-hmm. uh, the agency, there's an agency on aging in each state of our union. Mm-hmm. So no matter where one lives, audience, you might. Uh, contact your agency on aging, and they will provide subsidy uh, if you meet the income level. And it can be a little surprising that it's—I mean, it's not generous, but don't say, "Oh, I can't, I won't qualify," because you really don't know until you check it out. But they Correct. make available uh, home in-home respite as well uh-huh. as um, respite wherein the loved one can be picked up and taken to an adult daycare center that will help to provide them with stimulation. Uh, or Absolutely. you can take your loved one to the adult daycare center yourself. And then uh-huh. the, what Cynthia and I are talking about for uh, the veterans' benefit, it's called aid in attendance. That's something that you will definitely want to look up, that you are entitled to, that is not widely uh, advertised. And then a specific website where a woman started a huge advocacy uh, and consumer uh, group is veteransaid.org. I forget her last name. Her first name is Debbie. And she and this website and forums on that website, <clears throat> excuse me, are very, very helpful. So uh-huh. uh, tell us, uh, Cynthia, what was it that precipitated or contributed to your decision to compose uh, your book, one of your books, Memoirs of a Caregiver? Uh, A number of things, Zenobia. I was, I wanted to, I wanted to help other people because I was talking to friends of my mother and, and my aunt's and they were trying to get an understanding of what was happening to them because oftentimes they would call them and they would find that they couldn't really have a conversation with them anymore, my mother especially. 
because she was repeating, she was very repetitive in her conversation. So they would stop calling. They would call me. And when I explained to them what was going on, they had no idea, none. And one of them said to me, we don't know anything about all these things that you're talking about. Why don't we in our African-American community know these things? Why don't we know about these Mm -hmm. studies and things that are going on and the monies that are available to help with this disease? And that's got me thinking. Plus, one of my good friends, Deborah, says to me, you need to write that down. Write everything Uh, down that's going on with you. And I said, why? What's so different about this, you know, what I'm doing from anybody else? She says, four people is different. Commuting from California to Detroit, that's different. Very and much that started Very that that planted the seed, and that's what started it. And then I wanted to tell my mother's story. My mother was big on education. She worked in this Detroit public school system, and she was all about okay. educating people. And she worked in the library, and she loved books. So what better tribute to her memory than to write something about her that would help other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love the book, and we're going to talk more about it in a moment. But right now, we're going to take a short commercial break. We'll be right back. Picking up, you talked about communication and how people had stopped calling your mother because of the repetitiveness and other things that were not understood. And Mm -hmm. I have to be very candid and transparent and say that I am having a very difficult time myself uh, communicating with my mother, particularly as you mentioned. I want to unpeel a couple of things here, the long-distance caregiving as well as uh, whether you're close in proximity or long distance, communication becomes an issue. So would you please share with us some pointers on how we might best communicate with our loved ones uh, during this phase of their life? For me, once my mother's Alzheimer's became more prevalent, I called my mother every day, every day I called her so that she would not forget my voice. I, at that point, she was still able to know who I was when she saw me, even though I might be gone a month or two um, um, before I got back to visit him. um, She still knew me, but I didn't want her to forget my voice. So every day I called my mother, no matter what was going on. And as time went on and she got worse and I had to eventually put her in a retirement home, I was gone for about two months, three months. And when I got back, my mother didn't know me. That Mm. dropped me to my knees and I just bawled. But as I continued to speak to her and converse with her, the realization of who I was came back to her. That's very important. So what I did, Hallmark had a little book 
that was about a bear, a mother and a, fa- and a, a baby bear. And I recorded my voice and read that story to her and gave her that book so that every day she could open that book and listen to my voice reading her that story. You have to be very innovative. You have to be creative. You have to really kind of go with the flow to come up with something that will keep them, keep you alive to them. Yes. And I was very fortunate in that I was still working when all this took place, and I was able to make the commute and stay gone for two, three, four weeks at a time. And then after I retired, I was gone for two, three months at a time away from yeah, home. Okay. Okay. So I was able I guess, to. That, no, Go ahead. I was able to be there with her one on one and see exactly what was going on. Okay. And then try to come now, up with something to make things easier for her. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now what I wanted to ask, too, in terms of communication, now you have really given us um, some very good pointers. Uh, do you have any other ideas or anything that you can share to encourage us, like, like you and I are talking right now? That's what I mean, uh, the interchange. How do we have more meaningful interchange with him? I don't fight you know, them. Don't fight them, okay. Don't fight them. So, See, I found that okay. out the hard way because when I was, I, would, I was on the phone with my mother and she would repeat herself and repeat herself, and I'd say, Mom, you already said that. And she said, Yes, I said it, and I'm saying it again. And I would go, Okay, girl, <laughs> go ahead, say okay. it again. Okay. But it was annoying to me. And as I became more versed in and educated in Alzheimer's and the ways of dealing with an Alzheimer's personality, I learned how to go with the flow. So she was telling me a story that she had told me 5,200 times before I let her tell it. Because, you know, what dawned on me was one day she's not going to be able to tell it. Because Alzheimer's mm-hmm. eats away the brain. It eats away their yes. memory. Short-term, long-term, it eats it up. And when I was younger and she was trying to tell me stories, I didn't listen. I was too busy doing yeah. other stuff. But yes. if I knew then what I know now, I would have had a tape recorder at her mouth recording everything she had to say. I hear you. I, I because hear it's you. so I, important I on... It's, it's important in trying to learn what, fa- what happens in your family history that is causing things to happen now. So when you're talking yeah. to doctors and you don't know what the family history is, it makes it harder for them to treat your loved one. Pay attention. So when she's Very talking cool. to you and it's, and it's hard, just, just go with her. Let her tell her stories. Let her repeat. Talk about something if you want to re- redirect her. Talk about something that she loved to do, something that she liked. Maybe it was dancing or knitting or talk about something like that. Say, Mom, do you remember? And talk about that. And that will take her off, and then she'll tell you a different story. That's very good. Thank you. I, I I hope that that answers some of our audience's questions, too. And audience, if anyone wants to call in, feel free to do so by dialing 
716-813-8344. Okay. Uh, would you talk to the one who might be at the beginning? You said so much. So much is adaptable to this question, but maybe you have another thought to the person who's just starting to take care of a loved one who has been diagnosed, officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's. One of the first things I would say to that person is get your routine set up. Set up a routine and stick to it the best way you can. Getting them up in the morning, getting them dressed and showered and dressed, do it the same time every day as much as possible. They're going to fight you. They may not want to, but you have to be creative in the ways that you deal with them. You have to give them a nugget, something that makes them want to get up and get out the bed. For me, it was getting my mother to the daycare. And the bus driver was a big strapping man named Bob, and she loved Bob. So I would use Bob every day. Mom, Bob's coming. Come on, honey, let's get up. And she would hop to it. She would hop to it, get in the shower, and get dressed and look for Bob. (laughs) Okay, now. And I would also say to keep them busy. Keep them busy because they have a tendency to want to become reclusive. They want to shut out the people that they used to socialize with because somewhere in their mind they understand that they're different and that people are not going to accept that difference like my mom's friends didn't. So I found my mother, who was a vibrant woman, sitting at home tearing up sale papers, not wanting to go to church, didn't want to go back to work in her part, little part-time job anymore, and just being in the house all day long doing nothing. And when I sent her yeah. to the daycare, it changed everything. She went back to being mama. That's wonderful. And then what about the person who has been dealing with this for five, eight, ten, even more years? What? and they're about to tear their hair out, what do you say to them? I say to that person, you have to take care of yourself first. Put your mask on first and then help somebody else. Just like the analogy that the airlines gives you, do that. Because if you break down, they have no one else that's going to do the things that you've done and the sacrifices that you've made for them. They're not going to have that. So you need to be be sure that you get respite for yourself. You need to make sure that you recognize the signs of caregiver's burnout. That is actually a term that is used by the Alzheimer's Association. Caregiver's burnout. You're depressed. You can't sleep. You have diminished distractions. You don't want to do anything except take care of them. You think nobody else can do it as well as you can. You have withdrawals. You have trouble concentrating. You get angry. And guess what? It's okay to be angry because I was angry. I was saying to myself at some point, why me? I'm supposed to be living my life right now. But I was too deep in. I couldn't stop. Those are very good, very good. You spoke of, um, you mentioned Alzheimer's and the terminology that they have for caregivers. Did you say caregiver's depression or 
caregivers. Caregivers burn out. Yes, caregivers burn out. Caregivers stress and burn out. I know you want to share about all the Alzheimer's Association, that, and it is wonderful. It has been wonderful for our family, but go ahead, Cynthia, please take this time to give them a plug. One of the one of the first things I did was contacted the Alzheimer's Association, and I looked into the programs that they had to offer. And they have a lot of programs for caregivers out there to teach you the very things that I'm telling you now. They can teach you that. They have classes for it. They also have um, things that help you protect your loved ones. I believe they still have it, and that is a identification program, much like the um, the child alert, they have one for an Alzheimer's person where you have a, they have a bracelet with their information on it. You have uh, to send in their picture, and they give you an ID number. If your, if your Alzheimer's person walks away from home, then you can call in, and they will put everything in motion for you. They also have now, a You know, I had forgotten about that program. Thank you for reading right. Uh, mentioning that again, I had forgotten about that. Yes, that's, they do still have that. Yes, it's very okay. important because my I learned about it when my mother walked away. Oh, yeah, yeah she did that too. <laughs> I've been around the horn on this Alzheimer's thing and, and the gamut of what they can do and what they will do and what they have done. And I still have one more that's in the nursing home. I talk about all these things in Memoirs of a Caregiver, I have a section in the back of the book called Caregiver's Resources that gives you information. I list for you all the organizations that I dealt with that are in your community. Um, and, and like you said earlier, Zenobia, it may not be um, area of, on aging for Detroit. It may be Cincinnati or, you know, Milwaukee or something. Yes, but yes. The, they do have organizations. So I talk about those organizations at a state and a national level. And speaking of that, yes, your book is just so wonderful. Even the section in terms of what you give us on how to prepare your home for um, not only easy access to documents and files that we might need, but also to protect it when you have all of these different people coming in. So Cynthia, tell us, we're just about out of time, but tell us okay. how one might get your book and any information you want to give on yourself. Go ahead before we end. My book is titled Memoirs of a Caregiver. It's available through www.authorhouse.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. And I am also... From having gone through all of this, I developed a propensity to write poetry, and out of this whole situation came my love for writing poetry, so I have three poetry books as well. Right, and then give your website so that they might go on if they you know, want to look at, look at you a little bit more in depth. Give your website. The website is www.cyoungbooks.com. Again, seeyoungbooks.com. And Correct. we will be back on the 26th with Cynthia Young. And during that segment, we will look at her, um, her book entitled Synthology, subtitled A Collection of Rhymes 
and I hope she's going to agree to do renditions of the, her poetry for us. Can I have I convinced you to do that, Cynthia? Absolutely. For you, Zenobia, absolutely. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It has been my great joy and pleasure to have you today, and I look forward to our show on the 26th. Any thank last you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for being here. You've been a delight and very informative and true to your mom's passion and memory to educate. Take care. Good night, everybody.